Welcome to the Breckenridge Podcast. I'm John Bastoni, a securitized products trader here at Breckenridge. Today we'll be recapping the month of August. I'm joined by Kerm Galani, a portfolio manager on our multi-sector team. He's going to kick it off with investment-grade corporate sector. Kerm, uh, what was the sort of the tone in the corporate market and how did that translate into overall performance for the month? Yes, so the corporate environment was uh, fairly challenged in August. The credit index widened 11 basis points in August. The corporate index widened 12 basis points in the same month, and both indices underperformed treasuries. And all corporate sectors were wider during the month, but financials led by the REIT sector did outperform. Triple Bs lagged as they tend to do in a risk-off a month uh, like we had in August, and they widened 15 basis points, and the corporate credit curve steepened during the month. And what were some of the fundamental drivers of the underperformance? Sounds like it was a tough month across the board for spread products, but specific to corporates, what were some of the the fundamentals that we saw? You know, the main driver of the underperformance was the ongoing and and escalating uh, concerns about the U.S.-China tariff war, as well as market concerns about a uh, potential looming recession. President Trump signaled that he could put in place a 10% tariff on the remaining $300 billion worth of goods currently not subject to a tariff. And then China, a few weeks later, towards the end of the month, indicated that they will increase tariffs on $75 billion worth of U.S. imports, which led to a follow-up presidential tweet that he would retaliate by raising tariffs by an additional 5%. Other factors also weighed on spreads, including weak growth out of uh, Europe, including its largest economy, Germany, which seems to be on the verge uh, if they're not already in a recession. And of course, the significant drop that we saw in rates, uh, the 10-year was down 50 basis points in August. At that level, it's, you know, it's difficult to outperform treasuries. When rates rally at that level, uh, historically, corporate spreads have widened. Right. So it sounds like month-to-date excess returns were negative across the corporate landscape, but total returns, I'm assuming, were positive despite the spread widening due to the lower rates across the curve. That's correct, John. So total returns for IG corporates were positive. Uh, They actually outperformed domestic equities and increased the year-to-date total return figure to about 14%. August was actually the best month for IG corporates in over 10 years from a total returns perspective. However, month-to-date excess returns for IG corporates were negative. It's noteworthy to point out that month-to-date total returns for corporates with maturities of 10-plus years were most positive, whereas month-to-date excess returns for 10-plus year corporates were actually the most negative. So that might seem a little unusual. Uh, The reason for that is because the 10-plus year corporates, that was the best-performing maturity bucket during the month. However, the moves in IG spreads led to lower excess returns. The reason for that is the treasury curve flattened during the period, so the lower rates actually helped toll returns for the longest duration corporates. However, the credit curve widened or steepened, uh, and as a result, that hurt excess returns for the longest duration corporates. Given the negative sentiment, I would imagine the market had a hard time absorbing supply for the month. Do you have any numbers around the net supply figures for the month of August? So the gross supply figure for corporates during the month was actually up pretty significantly versus August of 2018. Uh, the main reason for that is there are a few debt-funded M&A deals in the market, the largest being Occidental Petroleum's uh, $13 billion uh, debt-funded issuance for their acquisition for Anadarko Petroleum. However, if you look at the last four-year average of August, issuance was actually down uh, a little bit. And kind of looking forward to September, September has historically been a very large month of issuance, averaging over $100 billion over the last few years. So we expect issuance to ramp up. 
after the seasonally slower uh, month. So lower rates must be attractive from an issuer perspective, but I'm wondering if they detract from uh, the investor perspective and as far as locking in these lower rates. So, so far, uh, you know, we're not seeing lower rates to track investors from going into corporates or fixed income in general. On the demand side, uh, you know, if you look at the street figures, there were net sellers of corporates in August, which indicates, um, you know, fairly strong demand. And also the fact that if you look at fund flows into high-grade bond funds, which are now up um, over $200 billion uh, year-to-date, and they were up about $20 billion during the month of August, that shows pretty robust demand for high-grade uh, corporate bonds. Well, thank you, Kerm, for that nice recap of the IG credit markets um, for the month of August. So let's turn it over to the securitized market. You know, as we alluded to in the beginning, uh, August was a challenging month for securitized products as well. Um, starting with the positives, can you talk about that on the ABS side? Yeah, ABS was the, the star for the month, had a strong month exhibiting sort of this um, def- defensive flight to quality characteristics that we've seen in the space pretty much all year. The sector returned 15 basis points from an excess return perspective. And again, what has been an otherwise pretty volatile year for spread products. Notably, net supply in the credit card segment is down almost 50% year over year, which has helped bolster performance as well. And for the on the MBS side, it was the worst month since uh, 2015. Can you talk a little bit about that? What happened there? Yes, worst month since 2015, third worst month um, since the crisis. Um, where more agency mortgages return negative 63 basis points, again, from an excess return perspective. Really, the main drivers in the space has been heightened prepayment fears due to low rates, leading to borrowers having a significant economic refinancing incentive. And those all continue to weigh on the sector. Also, the market is seeing an uptick in negative convexity hedging, which is something that we have mentioned in the past in this podcast. But to remind our listeners, when interest rates fall, mortgages lose duration. And there is a segment of the investor base that will actively try to replace or hedge this loss duration. So they'll buy treasuries or they will receive the fixed rate and interest rate swap. From a market price action perspective, this has the effect of driving rates even lower when they are already headed lower. And it becomes almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing. So MBS spreads have obviously repriced to reflect the deterring prepayment fundamental environment. Obviously, rates have, have fallen pretty significantly here in the month of August. It looks like MBS uh, spreads are you know a little cheaper. What what are some things investors should look at in determining if uh, you know MBS is right for them? Yeah, so I mean, as you as you mentioned, MBS spreads are now pricing to a deteriorating prepayment landscape. And we've seen spreads widen to the cheapest levels they've seen in, in, in several years. So we think there's an opportunity to be had in the sector. And we remind our listeners that agency MBS has no credit risk and that the question is not if you'll get your money back, but it's when. So the, there's a couple things that I wanted to mention when you look at mortgage spreads generically. The convention in the sector is to quote current coupon yield spreads to a 50-50 blend of the yield of the 5 and 10-year U.S. Treasury. The current coupon mortgage yield is calculated by interpolating the two MBS securities that have dollar prices on either side of par, or 100 cents on the dollar. So with rates where they are now, the current coupon is using the 2% and 2.5% coupons. Recall that MBS coupons are in 50 basis point increments, so 2, 2.5, 3, 3.5, and so forth. The challenge in the market right now is that the 2% coupon, and to a lesser extent, 2.5% percent coupons don't have a lot of bonds outstanding, which impairs liquidity and makes it difficult to get reliable pricing points 
on those two coupons. If you think about sort of the path of interest rates over the past few years, two and a halfs haven't been produced in quite some time. So in the end, the current coupon spread bounces around with the level of underlying interest rates. And right now we show a spread of around 100 basis points over that five and 10 year treasury blend. This treasury blend is used because mortgage duration, as we mentioned previously, moves around with rates, but typically falls somewhere in the range of the five and 10 year treasury range. This 100 basis point spread is the widest we've seen in several years, but it doesn't quite tell the whole story on what's going on in the mortgage coupon stack. Higher coupons, such as fours or four and a halfs, inherently have more refinancing risk behind them as borrowers in those MBS pools carry obviously higher mortgage rates. The higher coupons have widened substantially more than this current coupon metric. So for sophisticated investors that can manage prepayment risks accordingly, we think there's an opportunity. Thank you, John. I hope you in the field found this recap informative. Please join us next month for our Q3 recap and outlook for Q4.